Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. Hey, good evening, everybody. Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show this week. Guys, it's been a couple of weeks since we got together with our last guest, Mr. Chester McDonald, here on the podcast. And I hope you guys had an opportunity to go back and listen to that episode if you did not catch it live uh, on our YouTube channel or our Facebook broadcast that we did with Chester. Because he was a great guest. He had a lot of knowledge that he brought to the table um, with uh, as far as duck hunting goes, as far as taxidermy goes. And a lot of you that tuned into the show really enjoyed having Chester on the show. So um, if you haven't caught that episode, I want to I bring it up again because we haven't talked, like I mentioned, in a couple of weeks. Go check out that episode on our YouTube channel with Chester McDonald talking taxidermy. Uh, or you can stream it in your vehicle on any of your favorite podcast uh, platforms. You can go back and listen to that show that we did. But I'm excited, guys, to be back in the studio here at home. Uh, now we are rounding out uh, March. We are now into the beginning of April here in Louisiana, and it is hard to believe that we are already in April right now, guys. So um, a lot's been going on with us. I'm sure a lot's been going on with you. But like I said at the beginning, I want to thank you so much if you've taken time out of your schedule to tune in to our show with us and spend a little bit of time with us. This week, we have a, uh, we have a, a good friend of ours on the show that we're going to be bringing in. And we're going to be throwing it back to duck season. I know we've been doing some fishing videos if you've been watching us on YouTube, on our channel, and our other social media pages. But we're always thinking about duck season, and we are going to be throwing it back to this past season with our good buddy, Mr. Roland Cortez, over at Duckman Outfitters, guys. So we are going to bring rolling in on the show with us. We're going to discuss this past duck season, and we're going to be talking waterfowl, guys, because it's year-round for us. We're always thinking about it. It's always on our mind. As many of you probably, it's the case with you as well. It's always on our mind with us, guys. So I'm going to bring Warren in. We're going to get right down. I mean, I'm sorry, rolling in. We're going to get right down to it, and we're going to uh, we're going to start picking his mind and his brain and uh, and just talking about what's going on with him right now as the summers and the spring is coming to the end. We're getting ready to head into summer here pretty soon. And uh, and kind of see what he what he thought of uh, this duck season this past year. So let's see if we could bring Roland on with us. If you guys are streaming us on the YouTube channel, we're going to try to bring him in. And if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to also bring him in. Roland, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Jacob, how's it going, buddy? Man, it is going. It, I can tell you that much. It is going busy, buddy. How about you? Same thing here, man. You know. Duck season never ends for me besides, you know, my real job, you know, 
still got to work for a living, even though I duck hunt for, you know, I, I hunt for a living too, but still got to have a, a daytime job, you know, but man, work's just been busy. And, you know, like, like always, always thinking about duck season. That's right. That's what I was just telling them in the intro. I said, you know what? I said, we're going to be throwing it back on this episode to this past duck season. We're always thinking about duck season, whether it's summertime, it's springtime, whatever it may be. And, uh, and man, that's the case with me. I know that's the case with you. And, uh, and you mentioned that full-time job thing. We gotta, we gotta kind of do that to pay for all these, uh, this high gas prices we got right now. huh? Yeah. You know, um, my, my uh, daytime job, you know, just pays for my habit, man, during duck season, you know. And uh, I'm very fortunate, uh, Jacob, the job I have, man, that I can take three or four months off a year to chase my dream, you know, killing ducks and geese, man. Man, I tell you what, we talked about it on previous episodes, Roland. You got it made, man. I mean, you really do. Most people would love to do what you do in the off offseason. Uh, I know I would, and I know you don't take it for granted at all. No, and look, you hear me say it all the time, and I tell it to everybody, Jacob. Man, I'm just living the dream. Living you know, the dream. That's right. You are, buddy. You I've sure been, are. You know, I've got friends of mine that I grew up with as kids, and I've always told them that this is what I wanted to do. And, and hell, I spoke to a, a friend of mine the other day, and he said, man, you're just living the dream. I said, bro, I said, I'm just doing what I've always wanted to do. That's right. And not a lot of people could say that, you know, Roland, but you you do do it. If you guys have uh, had, you know, heard Roland on the show before, or you've seen him on social media. Uh, I mean, man, he he is always – it's never stopped for you, Roland. During the season, you are rocking and rolling 100%. So kind of, kind of, you know, touching on that, this past season, man, for, you know, duck season, you kind of had a new experience that you got to partake in this year. You had a new employer that you were working for this year. Kind of fill the listeners in on, on, on that situation. Well, as a lot of y'all know, you know, I've been in Arkansas for the last, you know, 15 years. And, you know, uh, this year I, I've I've been fortunate enough to get on with uh, Dave's Bayou, which is in Mangum, Louisiana. You know, it's, it's not that far from Monroe, maybe 30 minutes. Um, and I've been very fortunate enough to, you know, to go there and get to hunt. And like I said, I'll, I'll be back again there this year. And I'm, and I'm hoping to stay there because. You know, we've got so much going on at Dave's Bayou right now as far as as a uh, management for, you know, land management for waterfowl. And there's so much other stuff going on in the lodge. But, and, um, but I'm very fortunate, you know, to, to get the opportunity to go to Dave's Bayou. Correct. And Dave's Bayou, man, from all the, the information you shared with me throughout the hunting season, it's a it's a top-notch facility, first of all. Uh, I mean, I would, I would compare it to most of the top facilities – uh, in Louisiana, Arkansas, and surrounding states, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree on that? I would, Jacob. Because look, I've, I've been around. I've hunted at some of the best lodges in Arkansas and in Louisiana. And I tell you what, Dave's Bias, you know, top notch in, in my star. You know, five stars from the the time you you get through them uh, Dave's Bayou gates to the time you leave it is first class. From the lodging, the meals. You know, the equipment that gets you back and forth to the blind and the hunting. You know, the hunting is 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 world class. I mean, from from ducks, you know, shooting mallards, you know, lots of pintails. You know, you shoot all your, your blue and green wing teal. And, you know, you may shoot 14 or 15 different species of ducks on one hunt. But I tell you what, if, if you're looking for a trophy bull sprig or a pintail, I mean, a pintail, that's the place to be. Because, man, we shot a ton of pintail this year. Yeah, looking back at your social media posts, man, it was y'all killed a lot of pintail. It looked like this year. 
um, which we'll kind of touch on that, I'm sure, here shortly. But uh, something I never asked you, Roland, and, and as many times as we've got together and talked, uh, you know, which a lot of listeners may want to know, is, first of all, you've been guiding for a long time, but how did you originally get into guiding? Or how does one go about who may be interested and say, hey, I'd like to do what Roland does. I'd like to do what some of these other guys I see on TV do. How how would you explain that to somebody as far as getting into guiding and kind of give the listeners your background on how you got into it? You know, uh, Jacob, I grew up just like everybody else, man, just, you know, hunting ducks and, and um, you know, killing ducks. And I got to the point to where I wanted to be a better duck caller. So I, I, I pushed myself really hard to be a good duck call operator. Doesn't mean, you know, I'm, I'm a, I mean, which I'm, I'm a really good duck caller, but I'm a better duck call operator because I learned how to, to use that duck call for what it's meant for. You know, okay. um, Nash Buckingham said, you know, uh, a duck call was is the uh, greatest tool known to man, you know, but if it's used incorrectly, it could definitely, you know, hurt you. It can hurt you as much as it can help you. Then. That's right. So, man, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, honing in my skills on being a duck call operator. And, you know, I got better at, at killing ducks on public land. I've got really good at it. Um, I started, you know, being better duck caller. And I, I landed a, um, a guy job at a local duck club in Parody, Louisiana. And that's kind of where it all started at, uh, you know, and then, Back in what it was, 90, 96 or something like that, I got started, you know, just kind of part time on the weekends. And then it never really spawned until a full time job until uh, 2000 and what it was, 2010, maybe. Then I started kind of doing it, you know, just about every day, the whole 60 day season. But, you know, and like I said, that just kind of all started. And then by me going to Arkansas, is up there blowing a duck call, you know, blowing in, in regional duck calling contests. I met people. I networked through a lot of people. And here I landed a job in Arkansas, and that's where I've been ever since. Um, then I, I met people. I ended up in Virginia, God, and I ended up in Texas. You know, I mean, I, uh, everything was based off of learning how to blow a duck call is how I get – I got all my guiding jobs, you know. But being a guide is more than just blowing a duck call. You have to be a people's person too. And – you know, uh, the, with the type of job I have, I have to talk to people every day. And so it kind of, you know, um, went in hand in hand with me being a guide. Yeah, you almost have to, uh, it's like you have to sell, you have to be a salesman pretty much. I'm rolling. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's all about networking. And you mentioned several key terms, you know, that a lot of us salesmen, I'm in sales myself, that, that we focus on networking and getting to know people and going from there. Not only is it just blowing a duck call, like you mentioned, but you got to, you got to have a personality to go along with the talent of blowing a duck call. That's right, because I, I know people that are really good on a duck call, but they have no personality, so they can't, they just can't be a good guy. Because there's more to being a guy than just blowing a duck call. Yeah, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. So you know, you mentioned going full time at some point. Do do are there actually gods that are full time year round that do it? Obviously, you're not hunting year round. At one point in time, I, I used to be a fishing guy too, but it got to the point to where I burned, I burnt myself out. Then I didn't want to, I didn't want to fish anymore. That's a good point. So yeah. now I just stuck to hunting 
and then I, I, I still love to fish, but I like to fish for fun. I don't like, you know, because it, it got to be a point to where, man, it was, it was, I was just doing it every day. And people said, man, how could you get burned out? I just got burned out of doing it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it separates, you know, you look, we always talk about that. You look at these, uh, you know, whether you're a professional at whatever it is, sports or outdoors, fishermen, you know, golfers, you know, whatever it may be, you have to truly love to do it to be a professional and have it do, have it be your main job every day and uh and you know like me i used to say man i'd love to fish for a living when i used to watch grow up watching bill dance and all those guys and then you know when i started fishing tournaments just local tournaments and some of the some of the bigger tournaments i was like man it puts a it puts a wear and tear on your body that you are not really expecting you know when you get into that so it uh you have to it's a different breed of of, of person yeah. that has to do it you know so, but, uh, but yeah, you know, going back to this season, we, we talked about, we have, you and I actually haven't spoken a whole lot since the season ended as far as kind of recapping what my season was, what your season was. I kept up with you on social media. You kind of kept up with us on social media. So you kind of know, you know, what we had going on and we knew what you had going on. But when we look back now at this, at the season, 2021, 2022 season, Specifically here in Louisiana, what are your overall thoughts on the season, Roland? I mean, we did really well, you know, at, at Dave's Bay. You know, I think we shot right around four thousand, you know, uh, ducks. And like I said, we don't hunt many groups, so we you know we may hunt two groups during the week and three groups on the weekend. So we you know uh, we didn't hunt a whole lot of people. So, but. As far as on average, I mean, we were averaging four, 4.5, almost five birds per man per day. So it wasn't bad. But, um, you know, the season started off really, really good. Um, it stayed it stayed good for a while. But, man, just late January, I mean, the last two weeks of the season was really, I'm talking really tough. We never got a push of birds from the north. Most of our ducks that we killed were on south winds. We yep. never got a big push of ducks from the north. Yeah, and we I agree 100%. I've talked about it when I did my recap, uh, you know, show. We talked about south winds were the, were the productive days. Hunting public land, well, like we hunted all year, south winds, you know, rainy conditions, drizzle, uh, warmer days, not, not, you know, continuous hot weather. But when we get those fronts shift out of the south, that was tend to be the, the better days that we were hunting, you know? You know, um, November, like I said, November started off really good. I mean, you know, we were running pretty much three blinds every day in November because they had a lot of birds around, and pretty much all three blinds were shooting, you know, seven-man seven limits. That's probably – that's kind of about the biggest groups we have, you know, because we run two guys per blind. Okay. So you figure you got two guys, and most of the time it's five to six hundred. So you may have eight, you know, people per, you know, per pit. Yeah. So we did really well. I mean, we shot, like I said, a lot of ducks, mostly, you know, lots of green wing teal, very, you know, few blue wings, wedgeons, gray ducks, you know, pintails. And um, we shot a few divers, you know, but typically in a rice field, you know, you don't shoot a lot or or in a WRP, you don't shoot a lot of divers. But I will say this, I was surprised on the number of canvas backs that we, that we shot this year in these fields. Canvas backs, really? So, uh, what what's what you think was the reason for that, Roland? Canvas backs, because that's not something typical you're going to well, see in the fields. 
I, I, I'm thinking that us being north of Catahoula, that we were catching a lot of birds migrating from 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 north to south, you know, kind of catching them birds going back and forth to Catahoula. They were yeah. coming off of a big lake. Um, they were maybe coming off of Dalborn or or, or a, a bigger lake north of us, and they were just passing through. Because, I mean, we wouldn't kill them every day, but when you would kill them, every blind would kill, you know, 10 or however, whatever the limit was, two apiece. You know, hell, I think one day I shot 12. Wow. Yeah, so basically it was just a pinch point. Yeah, they, y'all were just intercepting those birds traveling back and forth. Yeah, and you right. mentioned it was, such a, it was such a dry year that we were catching a lot of ducks just transferring from one spot to the other. Yeah, they were on the move. You mentioned something, Darbone, in North Louisiana, Lake Darbone. I actually have a buddy of mine who is from North Louisiana. He hunted Darbone over the last couple of years and uh, and quite a bit of divers on Darbone. And, you know, when you hear duck hunting in Louisiana, Lake Darbone's not a not a spot that yeah. most people think of. But it is public. It is open to the public to duck hunt Lake Darbone. Um, it, you know, it's a big recreational lake, kind of like I would compare it to maybe like False River and New Roads, Louisiana, something like that. Maybe maybe not quite as tight as, as, as False River is, but he has put some really good straps of birth together over the last couple of years on Lake Darbone. So that, when you mentioned Darbone, that makes sense because it's in that flyway, you know, of those birds coming down and, and going to Catahoula possibly. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what I was thinking. And, you know, a lot of the pintails that we shoot too, you know, they, we're not that far from the Arkansas line, so you, we're catching a lot of traffic birds you know, going back and forth from um, Arkansas to, you know, Catahoula Lake, vice versa, or even from South Louisiana, you know, in the South winds. But going back to what I was saying about November, you know, November got really good. I mean, it ended all, I mean, the split ended on fire. You know, that last day we shot 42. I mean, we shot, we shot a seven or an eight man limit with by nine o'clock. And we had all, I mean, good birds. We had pintails, we had widgeons, we had a, a couple mallards and a lot of teal. Just a good mix of birds. We ended off the, the the season. The split came. We were loaded up with ducks. I mean, um, we had a lot of mallards in the in the green tree. I mean, I've got videos of them with my phone, man. Just all you hear, mac, mac, mac. you just hear them mallards, you know, in their woods. And then, as the Second split came, it, it started off good, and December stayed pretty steady. You know, we were still killing, you know, widgeons and, 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 and uh, gray ducks, pintails, teal, a few mallards. I had one one really good mallard shoot on a good cold front. It was probably the only day that on a north wind we had a big push of mallards. We shot 15 or 16 mallards, you know, that morning with our pintails and a, and a good mix of ducks. But after that, it just it stayed steady. You know, we were shooting 20, 25 birds, and some days we'd, you know, we'd limit, you know, we shoot, we'd limit out. But a lot of times we were close to limiting, you know, shooting limits. Yeah. You no, know, January came around, the hunting got a little tougher. We wasn't seeing as many birds. Yeah. We still had a lot of birds on the farm, but the birds were not moving. The weather conditions were not prone to them wanting to move to, to feed. And if you wasn't going in there and, and, and scaring them up, they didn't want to move. And that's kind of the scenario that happens <coughs> spots on the farm that we don't hunt their rest areas. And they were holding a lot of birds, but them ducks would never move. The weather conditions wasn't pushing them. That's right. The, 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 they just didn't want to move. It was either warm and 
and you're, you're going to laugh when I say this, but when we got these big, strong, these cold fronts, there was no ducks. We will, we'd lose ducks every cold front. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm, not, I'm actually not going to laugh at you because I told people I experienced the same situation on public land. You know, whenever you get that cold weather, that was the worst conditions we could have hoped for, you know? And every, every time we got a front, I didn't like it because we were losing ducks. We would ve- we, we see very little ducks coming from the north. Yeah, your numbers were dropping. And, you know, when it was warm, you know, you shoot 30 plus. When it was when it was really, really cold and you were breaking ice, you were killing 15 ducks. Gotcha. And you were like, man, all my ducks left. And as soon and as soon as the wind would shift to the south, boom, the, your ducks show up. Yeah, they're coming out of the Gulf, I guess. And the later January got, the worse it got. The, the last two weeks of the season were, were tough, which we were only hunting. You know, we canceled we canceled most of our hunts where we were only running one group a day. And we were killing, you know, 15 to 20 ducks, you know, with that one group. But, you man, you just wasn't seeing lots of pintails. We were shooting our limit of pintails every day. But they didn't have really a whole lot of other ducks besides that. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. In, with the, the birds that y'all did kill, before the season we had talked about this, you and I, based off of, you know, the breeding that was going on last last summer, uh, throughout the summer, the low water conditions, there was a big, you know, concern about seeing a lot of juvenile ducks heading into this past season. Um, from your experience in the field of what you saw, what did you see a, a large group of older birds? Did you see mostly juvenile birds? What was the what, what were you seeing out there with the, the different species y'all killed? A lot of adult birds. It was, you know, we did shoot a few juveniles. Like some of the green wing queue were really small, which I knew they were juveniles. But there were, there were most birds were adults. And look, these birds were educated since day one. Yeah. You know, you had to move around a lot on them. We had to hunt places like once when January rolled around, we had to hunt places that we never hunted them before with no blinds. So you had to stand in the trees. You had to stand on the edge of a of a fence row to try to hide because these birds were you know they knew where these blinds were at and they, yeah. they were getting smart yeah they were getting smart they were well educated you had to you know not call at them a lot not use spinners you know you had to to call at them on the corners you had to you know you had to pretty much throw the book at them uh, to kill them and and I, I hate to say it but man it, it's getting tougher and tougher every year with not having uh, um a big bunch of juvenile birds. I'm hoping they're getting a lot of rain up, up North in the potholes. And I'm hoping we have a good hatch because if not, duck hunting's only going to get tougher and tougher, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at, at what I'm hearing rolling right now, some of the reports are that uh, like Gadwall, for instance, Louisiana gets a lot of Gadwall and uh, they're saying that the hatch for Gadwall on the initial, uh, you know, surveys that they did are not good at all. Uh, which we uh, hunt public land, especially su- South Louisiana and below where you from, actually. Uh, you know, the, the WMAs, man, that usually hold a lot of gadwall second split of the season, they disappeared, Roland. You didn't see nearly the number of gadwall that we saw first split. And well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, well typically, you know, up there in, in these fields, we don't shoot a whole ton of gadwalls. But my son, you know, he was hunting – anywhere from Lacassine all the way to Venice. Okay. And they did shoot 
a few gad walls, but he was you was saying the same thing you were saying, Jacob. Dad, I don't know where these gray ducks at. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were, were, you know, they rely on that as that's the new mallard for Louisiana, kind of, especially South Louisiana, rolling. And uh, you know, Nate, our good friend Nate, that uh, that's uh, that we had on the show a while back. He was, you know, they hunt a lot of areas with a lot of gadwall, and that's just one species I'm referencing because that's one of the first species that they're talking about coming out of the season that they're afraid had a bad hatch this past year. And they said, you know, to expect going into next season, don't expect it to be a, a bounce back with the numbers of gadwall that quickly. It may take a few years. Yeah, you know, going back to uh, numbers, you know, um, Jacob, I've always – said it and i'll keep saying it man there's a whole lot of paper ducks flying around there's not as many ducks as what they say there is <laughs> you know because even I, I mean i don't know if you can remember back but i don't know it was 98 or 99 that was a 100 million fall flight yeah that was the i had a good year that year we shot a lot of ducks in the marsh but man it was it wasn't as good as years past yeah you yeah. Know, you kind of like me, you know, I, I grew up hunting, you know, in the eighties, you know, where it was, it was points. And then, it, then we went to a 30 day and correct, three ducks, which that's right. 30 days and three ducks, man. We still, they had a lot of ducks around. And at that time we were shooting mallards in the swamp around here. Yeah. And it was not, nothing to go and shoot three mallards. Nothing. Yeah. And then, you know, as I got into high school, I, I was able to drive. We started hunting the marsh. And it was still all the way, I think, up till 93, maybe. It was still three ducks and 30, which the ducks were coming up at the time. Correct. And, man, when it went to 40 and 4, then 50 and 5, then 60 and 6, man, the ducks were on the rise. I mean, there were ducks everywhere. Yeah. It seemed like it, Roland. You know, it definitely seemed like the numbers increased. And then right about, I guess, 2000, 2001 was when the ducks started to to go back down but with the seasons were still good because i even uh, like 2008 i had a good year in the marsh i shot four i think i shot 400 and something gadwalls out of one blind yeah but ever since i started guiding in arkansas i've never hunted a lot in louisiana anymore so i only hunt maybe four or five days prior to this year correct so i kind of didn't know what was happening but when i would come home to hunt and we go hunting the same places I hunted, the same marsh. And I'm like, holy. I said, man, what happened? Yeah, it, it changed when, drastically. When I left this marsh, there were ducks. Yeah. Because my son knows all my spots. He hunts all the same ho holes or marsh that I hunted that I showed him. And he's like, dad, them ducks are not there anymore. I'm yeah. like, really? And, man, it, it was, I hate to say it, but. I do see restrictions coming in the future. Yeah, I was about to ask you. That was going to be one of my questions. With, with you know, the drought that we had this past year with the numbers, not you could bet your ass, Roland, that they're going to, tell, they're going to throw out a survey saying that the numbers are way down because they didn't have the, the rainfall, the breeding wasn't good. What do they do at that point? And you hear all kind of rumors, you know, well, of what, what could happen. Like I said, I'm no biologist. I'm no – I don't set limits or nothing, but I do believe that we're not going to see a 30 and three, but I do believe in the future, we're going to see maybe a four a four and 40, maybe a four and 45. Yeah. I got a feeling it's coming. 
it, I, I could feel it in my bones, man, that if, if these ducks don't pick up, that they're going to have some restrictions coming real soon for the whole Mississippi flyway. And I got a feeling it's coming sooner than what we think. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. You know, me and Nate, we had a conversation. I was uh, I was on his podcast last week at a Fallen Tide podcast. And he was he asked me, he said, he, he asked me a question on there, and it was a good question. He said, you know, he said, do you ever concern yourself or kind of worry about where duck hunting in Louisiana is going to be in five, ten years down the road? Do you think it's going to disappear? Do you think it's, you know, going to change drastically? Do you do you think about that? And I told him, I said, I'm a, I'm optimistic a lot of times on situations like that. So I, I always, in my back of my mind, I think it's going to bounce back. It's going to bounce back. It's going to bounce back. But, you know, statistics don't lie, Roland, and, and we're, we continue to see a nosedive. What I'm concerned about, like you mentioned, if we start going to shorter seasons and this and that, the big chatter has always been lately – about bringing new hunters to the sport, man. We need to we need to increase hunter participation. We need to get people in the waterfowl hunt more and more and more. And if we if we can if we do that, is that going to hurt us as far as growing the sport? In your opinion, you know, uh, Jacob, we've talked before. Like when we grew up, man, everybody around or when I grew up as a kid, we hunted. Yeah, everybody I know, us too. You know, we hunted everything. We, you know, squirrels are my passion, just like ducks are. I love to hunt squirrels in October. And I, I mean, I grew up squirrel hunting. You know, my, my dad was a big squirrel hunter. So, you know, we squirrel hunt a lot. But, you know, going back to living in the state of Louisiana, I am really not approving of this youth under 16 having to buy a license. I am Good not. Point. I, I am not happy with that i can't believe that the great state of louisiana that we live in sportsman's paradise would make someone under 16 buy a hunting license or a fishing license man i don't know what they were thinking you know we all want to see our kids our kids kids grow and hunt but this yeah. here man this this ain't good for the sport no i agree with you 100 that's a great point you make there because that's something relatively new that just Got announced not very long ago, and uh, I agree with you, Roland. I think that's something that that's also going to deter people from uh, getting into and, it. You know, you know, being that we're on that subject about you know Louisiana wildlife fisheries, I really wish that they would put more money into habitat, man. You know, everybody, and don't get me wrong, flooded corn has has a lot to do with you know ducks not all the ducks not making it south, especially mileage, but man. Louisiana does nothing to to enhance habitat in Louisiana for public land hunters. Yeah. You know, all this money that we spend on hunting and fishing licenses, our tax dollars that go towards the state, man, they're doing very little to build habitat for ducks. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's almost like they don't give a shit about the waterfowl hunting, you know, because you see them, you see them putting money into deer hunting, land for deer. You know, DMAP, all that type of stuff. You see all that stuff. Partnerships, you know, to try to grow the deer, you know, populations, which is great. And, and I'm all for that. I think they should grow every population of wildlife in our state out there. That's my personal opinion. And I think every outdoorsman would feel that way. And, but you know, go North, ahead. North Louisiana, they can do more. They can plant, you know, they can drain these areas on these green trees 
they can plant food for them. But in South Louisiana in the marsh, you can't really do that. But you can, and which they are, you know, everybody is is bashing, you know, Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited. I'm not, like I said, I've been a DU person since yeah. I was a kid. I believe in DU because DU is a, is a, you know, they're all about conservation. Without DU, we would not have the ducks we have today. But DU does a lot of work in the coastal marsh, trying to build estuaries, trying to build a marsh back to what it once was, which they'll never do, but they're trying. Yeah. So people that bash DU, man, they need to understand. I understand they're building habitat on Mars, but that's part. You have to have habitat for winter. You have to have habitat for on their way back up north. Correct. You know, something I heard, I listened to an interview a few weeks back, and I thought this was very interesting. It was actually a DU, uh, um, you know, employee, basically. Um, I forgot the title of the person, but they were talking about how DU goes into each state, especially in the Mississippi Flyway, um, you know, because they, they, they prioritize it based off of, of uh, importance to waterfowl survival. It's how they do it, where the funding goes. Well, Louisiana is actually one of the top five spots in the United States that they that they uh, invest a lot of time buying land, buying money, this and that. But what I didn't know is that well, I kind of knew this, or I thought I knew this, but they they put up a certain portion of the of the money and the funding when they go into you know create a new habitat. But then the state they require the state to also put up X amount of dollars. And the guy was saying, he said, you know, you'd be amazed at how many states don't want to meet them on what they're willing to put up to create a habitat that's applicable for, you know, whether it's waterfowl habitat or, you know, goose habitat, whatever, or it's all waterfowl in general. But um, they said he didn't he didn't come out and name specific states necessarily, but he said you would be amazed at how many states fight them on that and don't want to contribute their share to enhance it. And that fucking blows my mind, Roland. It, it, it pisses me off because Louisiana would only step up, man. You know, Ducks Unlimited did a big project in Polisham, man. They built all these barriers up in the uh that's right. The um, no combustion engine part of Polisham. Looks really good, man. A lot of grass came back when I went um last year, earlier. We were down there fishing. Marsh looked fabulous after the hurricane passed it looked really good and despite yeah. all the the uh devastation from the uh the, the camps and all the marsh looked really well that's what i heard and, you know um i just wish that they would do more and i and i wish people and, and i know people do voice their opinions but man us as being louisiana waterfowlers we need to step up we need to talk to our representatives our state legislators they need to put more habitat on the ground, man, for to hold ducks in this state of Louisiana. I do believe the ducks come here, but they don't stay because there's no food. Yeah. Because yeah. look, I, and I will say this, if you plant it, they shall come because we did a whole lot of habitat um, on Dave's body. And man, let me tell you. Made a makes, difference. It makes a big difference. And this year, we're going to plant three times more to hold ducks for us to hunt and to help everybody else around because when one person does it, everybody else benefits from it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that's going to help that area, that, that that part of North Louisiana, 
Um, yeah, I mean, may not be asking for it, but it's going to help them. You probably right. you know? it'll help. It'll help Russell Sage out. It'll help Beth River out. It'll help all these places around it by by them doing all this. Yeah, but it just seems to me that Louisiana doesn't care about the habitat for ducks around here. But everybody wants to. And look, I, I complain too sometimes about we don't get any ducks no more. But a lot of it has to do with the habitat here. They don't do nothing to try to hold ducks in the state. Yeah. Yeah, and the foreman practices, we talked about that. That's changed a lot now. You know, you come down to South Louisiana. I just had I had a conversation uh, two days ago with Lance Coco, Mr. Warren Coco's son over at Go Devil uh, Manufacturing. Lance's son and my son play baseball together right now, so we've been kind of running stuff by each other and talking about all that. And he said, man, he said, you know, back – which we all know about the good old days. We don't have to harp on that. But he said, you know, he said the foreman practices have changed so much in South Louisiana. He said, you know, you got so much more sugar cane now you, right. where you used to have rice, you know. And I told him, I looked at him, I said, yeah, ducks don't don't like sugar cane. He started laughing. He said, no. He said, but, you know, that's just a piece of it. He said, there's all kind of contributions. But he said the same thing kind of we were talking about is that we just don't feel the state does enough, man. You know, and they, and they always try to blame it on funding. You know, they say, well, we don't have the money. You know, and we don't have the money for this. We don't have the money for that. But then the other day, I'm listening to one of the sports talk shows here in Baton Rouge, and they had a representative on the sports talk show. And he's telling he's telling the guy who's hosting the show how much money has come into the state since COVID over the last couple of years because of COVID-19 and this and that. And all this, they have all this surplus of money coming into the capital right now, into the state. And they're trying to get together on how to use it so – it doesn't get put in people's pockets on the backside of things, you know? And you could bet it's politics involved, Roland. We all know how that is. It's going to happen. You know, that's part of it. But it makes you wonder with all the, the hunters coming to the, you know, buying licenses in the state and all that stuff we talked about, you know, where is all that money going? That's what that's what you never really get a clear answer on, you know? And, and we never will. I mean, like I said, I've, I've been complaining about this since the beginning since I started hunting, man, is that they don't do enough to enhance the habitat in Louisiana for ducks. Like I said, they can't do it in South Louisiana. It's a little bit hard. But in North Louisiana, on Russell Sage, on Beth River, all these big um, waterfowl uh, WMAs, they can do work on there. Just like Russell Sage, they had the... um, (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, man, I forgot what it's called, but there's a spot up there that, man, they didn't even flood it. They didn't have nothing planted to try to hold ducks. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have a buddy who lives up there. He said that there's a pump that pumps the water into Russell it Sage. Broke. It's been broken. He said for they. They said they won't repair it. He said, um, you know, same thing with um, oh man, uh, wham break, wham break. That's right. Same thing with wham break, man. It's one of. The, I mean, it's historically known for having huge duck numbers. We passed in front of it, bro. It was bone dry. They didn't even try to do nothing with it. That's another place where they can try to to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, it, man, it, it'll, you know, and I'm getting hot yeah. talking about it. I'm starting to move around a little bit. But it, it, it pisses me off, man. It really it does. does. You know, and, and I think most hunters, it, you know, it does piss. It, the guys who have been here and seen, you know, <laughs> the better years, and then you see what it is now, and you see – Everything going on, it, it, it'll aggravate you, man. It, it will get you pissed off. And Nate said, we were talking when we talked the other day, he said, we really have to just put our voice out there. 
you know, at the end of the year, I get these surveys at the end of the year from wildlife fishers because I guess because I hunt public land so much, they they see those check-in cards and all that. So I'll get these surveys asking questions, and I I make sure I fill them out and I send them back in because you know it's just one voice. But at the end of the day, if we all just chunk it in the trash can, but we sit here and we bitching and we complaining about things, it definitely ain't gonna get better. You know, nobody may not even read that stuff, Roller. But I mean, hey, we already know that you know we're getting less and less ducks, and and I hate. I hate to tell you what I'm about ready to tell you, man, but the good the, the day the good days are behind us. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm feeling very insecure about or feeling bad about our kids, our kids' kids as far as um killing ducks. And and everybody wants to blame flooded corn. I, and I'm not saying that it is it, it's not a problem, which it is. I mean it, it does stop, you know, shortstop birds, it does. It's a piece of the puzzle, though. It's not the it, main problem. There's several pieces of the puzzle man and flooded corn is one of them. i'm not saying it's the number one reason but it, it's part of it yeah you know not having adequate snowfall it's not cold weather we need it's not ice it's snow snow that's right winters are a lot warmer there's a lot more habitat to the north of us i mean we're, we're seeing it with the speckle bellies there is proof you know louisiana has lo- louisiana what it was i want to we louisiana used to winter 80, 80% of white-fronted geese. Right now, they only winter 18%, Jacob. Yeah. Well, yeah. imagine what it's done on the ducks. Correct. And, and same with Canada geese back in the day. Years and years right. back, Canada geese. And you're a goose guy, Roland, so you could kind of talk to that a little bit better than I can. But Canada geese were – Louisiana was one of the largest wintering spots of Canada geese in the United States. There, there is a book. I think it's called Waterfowling of Louisiana. Yep. They were shooting Canada geese in Venice, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Yep. At the turn of the, in, in the 1900s. Yep. And now you can't get a Canada goose down here unless it's domestic. No, man, you, man, see man, them, you know? But, you know, there's less waste grain in all these fields. Yeah. You know, us, I mean, at Days Bayou, yes. I mean, they grow rice there. But, most of the time, all the rice is gone, man. I mean, you're hunting invertebrates, yeah. but it's a, it's a lot of our WRP, CRP stuff that we flood. Regular barnyard grass, you know, stuff that grows in your yard, man. Yeah, natural. Perfect, perfect duck habitat. Yeah, duckweed, all that type of stuff, you know. It, you know like you said, invertebrates, that's a big part of it. Uh, across the state, that's that's probably a, a huge food so source. There's so many things going on in Louisiana, man, that is hurting us, you know. Um, but habitat is number one. Yeah. And you mentioned you referenced snowfall, you know, because we don't get the cold weather like we used to get. But but then on the flip side of the coin, here we are talking about how the colder days literally hurt us this year and, and the last yeah. couple of seasons, you mm-hmm. know. So it's ironic that we're talking like that because every, from our generation, Roland, it was always you needed that big oh. Arctic front, you know. Every now time, we yeah, go right. ahead. Now every we don't necessarily time. need that, but you know what? 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 Some people don't realize it, and we were talking. I was talking with somebody about a month ago, and you were saying snow a while ago. They said a, a, a duck. We need it's so many inches of snow on grain in order to be able to get that that waterfowl to get up and actually migrate down. Because they said if there's just you know two to three four inches of snow, th- those birds will actually sit on that grain and thaw it out with their body in there their heat from their body 
And that that absolutely blew my mind. I never even thought to think about that. But they'll sit there. They don't have to travel further down the flyway. They'll sit there. They know that grain's there. They could thaw it out, eat it, and stay where they need to stay without having to move on down. That, that's that's amazing if you think about that. You know, you, you us living at the bottom of the boot, man, the bottom of the flyway, we have to realize ducks don't have to come to Louisiana. And they're you not going to if they, they don't have to. They have to, man. A duck will stay as far north as possible. You know the hunting in the nineteen, the hunting that our our fathers, our granddads, our granddads before them had, that's gone, man. Yeah. It'll never come back, Dick. I, I'm I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that, brother, but it's not coming back. Yeah, and I 100 percent agree with you. And that. every year, it's getting worse and worse and worse, man. It's not getting any better. Yeah. And right now, if somebody wants to kill. A lot of mallard ducks. Everybody braves about Missouri. I wouldn't even go to Missouri. I'd go to Oklahoma. I'd go to Kansas. I'd go to Nebraska. Hell, I'd go to Arizona. Arizona kills more mallards than the state of Louisiana. Yeah, and you mentioned that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you said, man, everybody has that bucket list trip. It seems like they want to go to Arkansas. They want to go to, you know, like you said, uh, you know, some of those other areas. But you told me, you said, man, even those areas ain't what they were. You know, they, they're just not what they were, uh, you know, to be able to just guarantee go up there and kill birds. And you said you said the same thing you just said to the listeners today is you said I'd go to, you know, other areas like Kansas and all those places because it seems like that's where the concentrations of birds tend to that's go like, now. Man, these birds are, like I said, this is a new era of birds, man. These birds are smart. They know exactly what to do. You know. Without having all the young birds, the juveniles to come to the state of Louisiana, man, if we don't have a good hatch, the numbers are going to be low. And we've seen it this year. Yeah. But you look at states like Arizona, man, in the middle of the desert, their, their duck numbers are going up. They don't have a lot of duck hunters because people don't go to Arizona hunt ducks, but there's a lot of ducks in Arizona. Utah. Really? You know, yeah. uh, Wyoming, Idaho. You know, then you get into that Pacific Flyway, man, where you can shoot seven ducks. Correct. You know, if, and right now, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, like I said it before, if I'm going to plan a trip, if I had to plan one trip, it'd be out west. Out west. So there you go, guys. If y'all looking to plan a trip somewhere, Roland's saying out west is the place to be right now, you know? That's what I mean. That's just my opinion because it just seems that there's more – more ducks in, in them flyways. Hell, I didn't even go to California as much as I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a, what about like Texas? You know, Texas is so close to us in Louisiana. Yeah. You would yeah, think they're see. experiencing the same stuff as us. Yeah, I, Texas is experiencing the same thing, man, is that there's, there, there's some good duck hunting there, but there's also the same things happening in Texas as there is in Louisiana. And is Mississippi in that same boat as well? Pretty much the same thing, you know. Um, mallard ducks used to come all the way to Pearl River, you know, back to the Pearl River, and they don't yeah. come anymore. No, you don't. Hey, you're right about that. That's a good point, it's you know. Whole, it's pretty much the whole flyway, yeah. man. Unless you are, you know, very north and you're catching these ducks coming out of Canada, you know, the hunting, I mean, Minnesota, um, Wisconsin, all the places there, you know, you're catching them young juvenile birds, and that's what's pretty good about them is that 
they get to shoot the birds you know, when, when they're up there and they're not a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, because down here, man, the pressure is so bad. <clears throat> you yeah. you think the pressure plays that much? Of, you think that's one of the major issues also, Roland? Pressure is, is number, <clears throat> number two on my list. Really? Besides number two. Because the pressure is so bad, man, that every spot of water has somebody shooting on them. Nobody lets the ducks rest anymore. Okay, so okay, so we you talk about pressure, but we also statistics are showing us if if they're telling the truth that numbers are down with hunters, license sales are down every year. Okay, I don't, I you don't know, see how. You know, well, and I don't either because when I show up to the launch, I'm like, man, that just don't don't seem right to me. But I have a I have a theory on that is that the loss of habitat for us to be able to hunt in the state, like with whether it's Salvania. Water hyacinth, invasive species, whatever it may be, lack of management. Is it is it that we're seeing the available space that is still available? We just we just all condensing down to those areas. And that's pretty much it. That that's what I can come up with too, is that um all the hunters they're losing their leases. The leases are too high, they don't want to pay for it. Everybody's coming into one particular public area to hunt, like Venice or or all these other spots. They're coming into one spot to hunt. And that's why you're thinking that, man, there's a whole lot more uh, pressure. It's not. Yeah. It's that all people are coming into one spot to hunt because they're losing their hunting spots. That's what I think it is. I, I don't I don't necessarily know about the numbers of hunters. You know, they're telling us, hey, it's down. Okay, well, if it's down, then why the hell are we seeing so many people everywhere? You know, you know Jacob, on public land, you can't stop the pressure. No. Because, but having a 12 o'clock or a two o'clock stop time helps out a lot. Look, at Dave's Bayou, we stop hunting at 11. We don't hunt no more. Yeah. We don't hunt in the afternoons. We don't do nothing because we try to prep what I call pressure management. Correct. Manage the pressure on the property that you hunt. Yeah. Which I do, I do think Louisiana's done a good job on that with the WMAs rolling because the, the majority of the WMAs now, unless you coastal like Venice and those areas like that, they all have a cutoff time. You know, we have to be out of there by a certain time. So I think that's a that is one thing that they've done that's really good in my opinion, and I think you would agree with that too, but based off of what you said. I do, but th there's two spots that really. You know that twelve o'clock cutoff because it's more tide related. You know you have the Wax Lake of Chaffalaya Delta. Yeah, I, I don't kind of like I, I kind of like the all day deal because if the tide falls out, you can't hunt. Yeah, that's a good so point. I, I'm kind of good with that. Yeah, it has to be that way. Spots, you know, uh, a lot of these public lands. Yeah, man. I mean, the hunting needs to stop at twelve to give these birds time to rest because look, they get no time to rest, man. These birds are harassed from the time they get up to the time it makes dark. And that's why these ducks become nocturnal, man, is because, you know, they're being hunted so much. They, these ducks are like deer. You know, they, they only want to fly at night. Yeah. So, you know, okay, so, so to touch on that point, basically, okay, so say say all the WMAs, we, we all close at 12 o'clock, okay? And in theory, you want to let those birds rest. But in my opinion, if we still have, you know, boats running through and mud motors and just activity, which is part of Louisiana. We have bayous, you know, you, you guys are fishing. You have all that. So 
do they really ever get an opportunity to rest on these areas? Yeah, you I know? don't know because you're right on that. It's tough, man. It's tough. It, it, it is tough. You unless, know, but a guy running his fishing know. boat through a, through a spot may be jumping up birds, even though the, 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 the but you know, at the end of the day, the way I see that, I guess, is that if they allowed us to hunt past those times, that's just more added pressure. So they are eliminating pressure on it, you know. Unless you have private land to where you can eliminate that, you're not gonna. It's gonna be the same, and that's what I said about public. You know, you kind of want them rest areas, but it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: We talked about how lack of water up north in, in Louisiana over the last season or two. Um, just looking at the grand scheme, is Venice, Louisiana, saving Louisiana waterfowl hunting right now? Because it, due to birds, and yet, I mean, the birds ultimately end up in Venice. It seems like when they come but, to Louisiana. As much as a lot of people ain't gonna want me to say that, bring it up. But yeah, man, I mean, Venice is that hot spot. It's I mean, I hate spot. to say it. I mean, I hate that we saying it on on air, but but they know it, Roland. If you waterfowl hunt, you know it. Whether you hunt Venice or you don't hunt Venice, that you know that guys, you hear the stories. They go to Venice. The birds migrate to Venice. You're not, you know, you're not telling anybody's secret, right there. You know, everybody knows that. So. In my opinion, Venice, Louisiana is what's saving waterfowl hunting as a whole for Louisiana whenever we don't have conditions right up north, you know? Man, pr pretty much that place is steady. Yeah. You know, the birds flock there because of the, the Mississippi River. There's an adequate food. There's enough places for them to get away from hunters. And Venice is always going to be that, that hot spot, man. So hunters on, on like the western side of the state, Roland, what's your opinion on that? Do those birds that guys are hunting in Lake Charles, uh, you know, sulfur, you know, all those areas, where do those birds end up at, in your opinion? Because I, my, my theory, and this could be completely wrong, and I, this is just my mind thought, is that, you know, pretty much I look at Louisiana and everything coming down half of the state or that, there's a line there down the middle of the state. And a lot of these birds – coming down that line they either go toward texas possibly or they go toward venice and that's kind of what in my mind where i think they end up at so you know, those those birds coming from the western side of the state are they also making that that journey over to venice louisiana in your opinion i guess that's what i'm asking no i mean you know the, the hunting in uh, southwest louisiana as far as ducks man it, it's been really bad there you know the teal hunting in september is really good yeah but They've had a couple of storms, you know. As far as ducks, you know, the hunting out in them rice fields, man, are not what they used to be. You know, speckle belly hunting is still pretty good, but I still feel a lot of them ducks head towards Texas, you know, Sabine Pass, up up towards that way. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I see. I see those birds on the western state, you know, western side of the state kind of <laughs> veering off toward Texas and all the other, the other flight tends to go toward Venice is what I, what I see, you know, because you don't have anything in the middle portion of the state, Marpaw Swamp, all those areas are pretty much done now, you know, it's all done, man. That's all days of, of the good old days when those areas are done. So those birds either kind of veer left or veer right. And that's just kind of what I imagine when I think of, it, you know, and it pretty much, you know, if, if you're a young person and you're just getting, you know, started duck hunting, man, you have to stay mobile. You have to move around. You have to hunt in Venice one day and hunt in uh, <coughs> the next day. Correct. You know, that's yeah, what we did around. this year, Roland. I told Nate when we when he we were on the show together, I told him, 
He said, man, he said, I know y'all had some good hunts this year for public land. We had some good hunts. And, and we kind of discussed that. And I said, yeah, I said, but a good hunt's not necessarily a limit for us, for That's me right. and Jackson. You know, it's changed. And we talked about that. It's not the, the days of old. Um, so you got to adjust to what a good day, in quotations, is for you as a hunter. And I told him, I said, we we had to stay mobile. But, you know, whenever the first split hit, we, we have a camp and all this stuff, and we've traditionally hunted that area a good bit, and we kind of go some other areas, you know. But I, I looked at Jackson this year, and he looked at me, and he said, he, I told him, I said, we are not going to stay put in one spot, and we're not just going to accept not killing nothing, you know, because there's no birds there. And in our mind, keep telling ourselves that birds are going to show up. I said, we are going to stay mobile. We're going to move around. If we got to drive, we're going to drive and go hunt it, you know. And that's what we did, Roland. We kind of found some spots, and, and we bounced back, and we were able to salvage the season. It wasn't a great season, but it wasn't it wasn't one of our worst seasons either. And that and that's and Jacob, that's exactly what my son did, man. They hunted from Southwest Louisiana to Venice, anywhere in between. Plus, you know, they were going up north, you know, coming up close to me because I had a couple reports of of some ducks on some places, some public land up there. Yeah. My son put so many miles on, on, on the boat trailer and the truck. It was unbelievable. And yeah. they had a decent season. My son did really well, him and his friends. But they stayed mobile. Look, they hunted in kayaks. Yeah. They went anywhere that they can get away to try to hunt, to try to kill ducks. And look, I mean, he, he's doing really well for himself, man. Look, him, him and his boys, you know, they've hunted with me a long time. They've learned some of my tricks. But, you know. Them young boys, man, they, they, they're learning a lot. You know, they're learning how to adapt they to what, what I call new duck hunting because the the old stuff, you know, is just not there anymore. Yep, that, yep. And you, meant, you mentioned the stuff like, you know, like he did, like kayaks and all that type of stuff, yeah. man. You, you just got to think outside the box and really yeah. it's not easy to do it. It's not. But I do see a lot of the younger hunters. They, they are getting creative, like you said. They're, they're doing some of that stuff. You know, everybody loves to bitch about the younger guys because they don't do it right. But there's a lot of guys that are doing it right, you know, whether it's, like you said, kayaks or P-Rogging in or whatever, getting out of the mud motor, the big rigs. Yeah, I right. sell boats for a living, you know. And, and I love to sell guys that type of stuff, you know. You because call me daily. During yeah. Ducks and, Daddy, I want to pick your brain. Well, Daddy, the Ducks are not doing this. Or what about this, Daddy? What you think about that? Or are we calling too much? You think we are, was our decoy setup's not right? You know, I'm not there, so I kind of don't know what's going on, but he can pick my brain and I can give him my advice on it. Yeah, because he's it's running through his head. He's trying to figure it out. That's right. You know, it, it doesn't matter if I'm hunting, if I'm guiding or I'm hunting public land with my friends. The wheels are always turning in my head. Yeah, we. I'm the same way, Roller. I've got, thir I mean, 30-something years of, of, of duck hunting in that head. You know, even though a duck or a goose is a bird, it might have a brain this big, but man, he's very smart. They smart as hell. But anytime you get out of a boat, you get into a kayak or you get into a pilot and you get into their natural habitat. Yep. It's a totally different deal. And my son and his friends did really well hunting in a kayak yep. and a pilot, getting out of the norm, getting in these little bitty potholes in between traffic areas. Not killing a lot of birds, but going in there with two people and shoot twelve ducks. They salvaging hunts is what I call it. You know, you making you making the best out of a bad a bad season, a bad situation, and uh, 
And for all of you guys who are listening to this episode, you know, if you if you had a rough season and you're trying to figure things out for next season, uh, I know several of you have contacted us. Uh, you've contacted buddies of ours who are social media uh, digital creators that hunt here in the state. What Roland's saying is take that in. Take in, you know, maybe getting outside the boat like he talked about. You know, whether it's a kayak, it's a P-Rog, it's walking into spots. Uh, you know, Roland, another good a good point. I, I, last season I decided wood ducks, man. Uh, wood ducks get a bad rap from a lot of guys, you know. they, they uh, I got friends of mine that stopped hunting and they said, man, the birds ain't here. I ain't going to hunt wood ducks. I'm not going to wake up to shoot three wood ducks. Well, if you truly love the sport and you you thrive on it like you and I do and many of you listening do, then guess what? Go find you a good wood duck spot because killing zero ducks, like like I told Jackson, I said oatmeal is better than no meal. That's what I told Jackson, and I, and that's the truth. Oatmeal is better than no meal. What I mean by that is you might be able to go kill a wood duck limit when you would have you would have scratched on a hunt because at the end of the day, none of us like the zero rolling. You know, none of us like to scratch. You know, I, I think it was, and, and I, I want to say I may have sent you that picture, but it was probably late January. Hey, we got um, asked, you know, somebody said, man, y'all want to come on a wood duck hunt shoot? I said, hell yeah. So me and uh, Taylor, which well, she's the head guy today, by, we drove an hour south of Mangum to go shoot wood ducks. And look, we limited out on woodies. We shot a couple gray ducks in in, in the cypress trees, man, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I uh, it. it's I awesome. Going back to my roots, man, just shooting wood ducks. I mean, that's what I started on. Yeah, if you're a Louisiana duck hunter, chances are nine out of ten of us started out hunting yeah, wood was, ducks. And if I had to say it, hell, that was my <laughs> top five hunt of all year, even though it was just wood duck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that they are fun. If you don't have fun shooting wood ducks, something's wrong with you because it's a fun man, hunt, you know. Them old squealers come through them trees, man, they're. They're coming in there quick. They're they're hard to shoot. Yep, man, they're very sporty birds. And if it, you don't shoot a wood duck, something wrong. It's it's one of the best eating birds out there, as far as ducks go. So I mean, it, it the, it's the up and up, you know. And, and they they up the limit several years back to three. So I mean, three. You know, that, I seen guys this season rolling. They were jumping on guys because they're saying, "Oh, you got a limit." You know, you say you got a limit, man. You ain't got a limit. You got three wood ducks. Well, that guy may be hunting a wood duck hole. He may not see a freaking other duck in there besides oh. wood ducks. So he did get his limit, you know, if that's between, the case. Between me and you, Jacob, three, six ducks is a lot for one person to eat. Oh, yeah. I don't ever, back when I was young, if we wasn't limiting out every day, I wasn't happy. It was never a good hunt. Oh, we were right the same way. At my age, it's not about how many, man. It's about how close I can get them ducks or speckle bellies. It doesn't matter if I shoot three ducks. If I could put them in the wheelhouse right in front of me and, and finish the job, I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's about fooling them ducks, man. It's not about how many. It's how close that I can get them. That's right. It's you versus them, and that's what I tell Jackson yeah. coming up. You know, That's what drives me. It's regardless, me versus them. Regardless <coughs> on, on the decoy spread, I rely on my shooting, which ain't the best, but I rely on my duck calling, man. Gotcha. Learning yeah. how to read ducks and how to blow a duck call efficiently. Very you know, good point. Very good point. We're rolling. Because there's a lot of spots that I hunt, 
on public land, especially in the woods, I don't need decoys, man. I rely on my duck call. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it wor- you, you figured out what works for you and you roll with that. And that's, that's all you could do as a hunter. I mean, that's, there, that's there's all some you days do. where they want a lot of duck calling and there's some days where they don't want none. You just have to adjust yourself every day to the conditions that the ducks want to work or speckled, no, or geese, you know? Yeah. Yep. Well said. Well said, butter. Well, butter, it's been a we. It don't seem like it, but we're already right up over an hour, man. Man, uh, I can talk to, when, when it comes to these ducks. We, we can talk forever. We could, we could. Uh, I, I tell people, I say, I try to keep it around an hour, but some of my guests we go over because we we get carried away and we just keep rolling with it, man. Um, but uh, so hopefully you guys don't mind uh, that we we go over an hour. I know, I know you guys. Hopefully, if you listen still. You like me and Roland, probably you ate up with it year round, and, and and you live and breathe it, man. Going back to a few things, uh, Jacob, I have going on this summer. Look, yep. Um, in June, Simmons Sporting Good has the uh, Northeast Louisiana Cut Down Contest. Okay. Which is in June. I'd have to get you the dates for that. But yep. also, something for Jackson in May. They got the North American duck calling contest which is going to be held in Lacassine, louisiana okay i want to say it's like may 15th and 16th it's going to be duck calling and spec calling i mean there's a youth division i'd really like to see jackson there blowing in it oh hell yeah we'd love to take that trip Um, that's in may you said yeah i'll text you the dates I'm, i'm going to be judging it i'm not going to be calling in it but in the the north the one at simmons sporting goods in Northeast Louisiana, I will be blowing in the cutdown contest. I'm coming out of retirement. I'm going to start to blow a little bit more. I'm going coming to try out to, of retirement. I'm going to try to get competitive a little bit, but I'm not going to do too many. I'm just going to do a few. Um, but besides that, you know, I'm going to the, the, the what the Louisiana Sportsman Show is coming back to Lamar Dixon. Yeah, I saw that in June sometime. So uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do a little bit, but besides that, man, I, I'm I'm going to I'm trying to get a lot of. Uh, hurricane work done at my house i'm trying to redo i'm redoing my shed right now i haven't done a lot of fishing um yet this summer i plan on doing some some fishing this summer i'm just trying to get a lot of stuff done at home um but besides that man summer's going to be a busy time there's a lot of hunting shows coming up you know duck calling contests are coming around and and you know just duck season never ends man it's 365 days with me that's it that's it those for those contests rolling make sure you get us those dates and guys, I'll have I'll post them once Roland gets them to me. I'll post them up on our social media page. Hey, look, I'd love to see Jackson there. And if Jackson needs any help, all he, all you gotta do, man, is give me a call. I can video chat him. I can teach him, you know, whatever he needs to learn on it to, for so he can get better. Cause I'd love to see him, man, you know, come to these contests and do really well. And I, like I said, I'd love to help him. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I need to do that now since it's the off season, you know, Roland, is get him with you. And uh and, and I know you've offered on the show before to do that. For any listener who has a child who's interested in duck hunting, uh, learn how to blow a duck call. Um, I have Roland's. If you guys are, you know, streaming us right here on our YouTube channel, we have Roland's number right at the bottom of the screen right here. Duckman Outfitters. You can get a hold of them. And uh, if you forget the number or you don't have the number and you need to talk to him, you get in touch with him on Facebook, Instagram, pretty much any of the social media platforms. And you or you can reach out to us and we'll get you in touch with him. One more thing, Jacob. I want to talk a little bit about what Duckman Outfitters is. All, all Duckman Outfitters is is just a, a sub 
part of it. What I do is, is that I book hunts for different outfitters. Okay. You know, um, all of my duck hunting, my permanent gig is at Dave's Bayou. But early speckle belly season, I will be back in Arkansas this year hunting early speckle bellies for about two weeks. Okay. All, all Duckman Outfitters is, is is just like a a subcategory of something to where I book hunt for different outfitters. So if somebody say, man, I want to book a hunt in Kansas. I've got friends in Kansas that run an outfit. I can line them up with um, with that. And it's just another social media platform for me besides my. Correct. Uh, You're the middleman to access to hunts across the United States, different areas. Pretty much, man. That's all I'm trying to be is I'm kind of like a little bookie. You know, I'm just trying to help people to, to get the best hunt they can out of their book. Correct. That's great. So, and they could, they could get you on Facebook as well at Duckman Outfitters. If anybody's interested in that, yeah. uh, you have an Instagram for Duckman as well, Roland? I do, I do have an Instagram, uh, <coughs> on, but if not, you know, they can always, um, get a hold of me on my personal, my yep. personal social media pages, Instagram, you know, Facebook, or they can call me, they can text me. I'm more than willing to help anybody out with their duck calling, spec calling, whatever. I just want to talk ducks about them or they just want to pick my brain about, you know, some, some, some duck hunting stuff. Definitely. Definitely guys. So take advantage of that guys. If you got a youth hunter who you're trying to get into waterfowl hunting, we talked about how important that is nowadays, uh, you know, and they're learning how to blow a duck call or, Maybe you don't feel sufficient in helping them out with that. Get them in touch with Roland. Roland will be more than happy to help them out. And uh, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day, Roland. And that's thank you so me. much. I'm just trying to pass it on, Jacob. Just like I was, I was thought, man, just to pass on the tradition that we all love to do. And um, like I said, if, if um, anybody wants to come hunt with me or, or whatever, you know, they can look me up on there. Or if they want to come hunt at Days Bayer, you know, Days Buyer has a Facebook page where they can um, access all the information they need to book a hundred days, or if they want to come speckle belly hunt with me in Arkansas during uh, from Halloween weekend till about the first two weeks of November, they can do the same. I'll, I'll be at um, I'll be at Goose Grabbers, you know, early speckle belly hunting there. And, and as we get closer to the season, you and I will always continue to talk. So we'll make sure we post all that stuff up on our pages as well. So you guys can access Roland and have uh, access to him to be able to get in touch for anybody interested in that stuff. So, But Roland, look, man, I, I, as always, I, I can't tell you how appreciative I am to have you on the show. I know the listeners love having you on, man. And uh, I've, I've had guys tell me, hey, when Roland's going to come back on the show, you and I had talked about doing it after the end of the season, and uh, and and I'm glad you did, man. So thank you so much, and we're going to definitely do it again soon. Jacob, thank you, man. Look, it's a pleasure to be on here, man. I love talking ducks. I'm, I hope people, you know, enjoy me, you know, telling my story, you know, because like I say on every show, man, I'm out here living the dream. That's right. I'm doing what I've always – what I was set to do in life, man, is just to, you know, bring people – on, on really great quality hunts and just witness what I see every day. And I'm hoping to get Jackson and your boy on some ducks this year, man. Well, well we're going to try to make it happen. I know we said it last season and we're, uh, we're going to try to make it happen heading into next year, but I want to get him with you on that calling. So we're going to definitely be in touch with yeah, you. Man, on that look, like I said, it's pretty easy. We, we can do a, a FaceTime like we do now and, and we can work on stuff like that. Yep. We're going to do it. I know he'll be all in on it. So, 
Well, buddy, thank you so much. Like I said, I'm going to cut you out of here. That way you could go eat some supper. It's Sunday evening. Yeah, I got, I got my baked potato in the oven. I got to go check on it. There you go. Got to go check on it. I got something on the stove, too. I remember it. I got to get go check it, too. So thank you so much, Roland. We will do it again soon, buddy. You take care, okay? Thank you, Jacob. See you later, buddy. All right. See you later. Well, guys, there you have it. Once again, our good friend and buddy, Mr. Roland Cortez from Duckman Outfitters and Dave's Bayou. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know we got a we got a little uh, ruffled in the feathers on some of those topics we were discussing, you know. But uh, hopefully, you guys feel our passion for the sport here in Louisiana and the sport as a whole. Um, and you guys, you know, you can if you like this episode, if you're streaming us right here on our YouTube channel. We would really appreciate it if you'd give us a, a thumbs up and smash that like button because that does so much to motivate us and keep us going. We really would appreciate it. And share it with your buddies. If you enjoy hunting as much as we do, you enjoy the outdoors here in Louisiana or across the United States, uh, we're just like you guys, and, and we love doing what you love to do. Uh, even though we may share different opinions on it sometimes, hey, at the end of the day, it's we're all better for sharing opinions with each other. So thank you so much for tuning in. You can also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and right here on YouTube, guys. But until next time, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast signing off. Y'all have a good one. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors is brought to you by Benoit Performance Baits. Bait and tackle for all your fishing needs. We offer some of the best soft plastics for bass, sackalay, and saltwater fishing. Whether it's a day on the water trying to catch a mess of fish for the family fish fry, or a heavy bag to win a tournament, we have what you need and what the fish want. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to place your order with Benoit Performance Baits today.